What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. In today's episode, we did a Q&A. This is the first time that I'm going to be introducing a new Q&A series. It's going to officially start in September, but I wanted to do a little dry run here, a little dress rehearsal, if you will, to see what you guys think about a Q&A format for the podcast. Um, in September, we're going to three episodes per week. One of them will be a Q&A unless you tell me it's a terrible idea, but I think it'll work well. So I'll get feedback from you as to what questions do you want answered? And then we'll do that every week. So we'll have a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episode of the show. And Friday will likely be your time to shine for the Q&A segment. For this episode, we answered, I answered some questions about uh, my thoughts on 75 hard, on how to find the right calories and macros, on uh, how to train around an injury, on your immune system when dieting, and on body recomposition. So you can just jump in and speculate first on what the answers might be, and then hear for yourself what the answers actually are. And if you appreciate this episode, if you enjoy the Q&A style, please let me know about it. Uh, First of all, you can always leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Most importantly, share it with friends and family, and then post a screenshot of the episodes to your stories on Instagram and tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody who is listening on the podcast. We are doing the first edition of a Q&A episode because if you didn't hear the announcement, I'm going to three episodes per week. I am committing starting in September. The Mind Over Macros podcast will be coming to you three times per week, Monday episode, Wednesday episode, and Friday episode. And I decided based off of some feedback that I got from you guys that a Q&A style for the third episode is the way to go. And I like to test things out first before we officially jump in head on. Like, let's do a little beta test and see how that works. And so I posted to my stories and in the, in the uh, Facebook group, drop your questions. I got some great questions to get, to get through on this episode. So we're just going to dive right in. The first question is coming to me from Instagram. And let me just make sure I'm reading this correctly. It simply says, Thoughts on 75 hard? Great question. So for those of you that don't know, uh, 75 hard was a program that was started by um, Andy Fursella in first form. And essentially it's 75 days of all these different things that you have to check off. And, And I don't know the exact list, but I know that you have to do 75 straight days of um, hitting your nutrition. You have to stick to um, any kind of a nutrition plan without any room for error. You have to work out twice per day. And I think each one's 45 minutes and one of them has to be outside every single day for 45 or for 75 days. You have to drink a gallon of water every day. You have to read, I think, 10 minutes per day. I might not be getting that one correct, but I believe it's 10 minutes of reading every single day. And uh, I'm not sure. That might be it. Um, anyway, so my thoughts. I So I'm just going to be brutally honest here. I think that for most people, it's a terrible idea. And that's not to say that there, there's not value in pushing yourself and and showing yourself that you're capable of more than you believe. I think that for the most part, we tend to sell ourselves short in what we're capable of. So 
committing to something like that. Oh, and, and no alcohol. Um, committing to something like that can show you that you're capable of more. However, I have seen way too many instances of the negative side effects of trying to be perfect and pushing yourself to the limit and the rebound that happens as a result of that. Because when you have a very strict plan with no room for error, if any of those things fall in the course of 75 days, you, you quote unquote fail and you have to start all the way back at day one. Setting yourself up like that, it, it, most people end up having just an epic rebound. And I've seen it time and time again. And ironically, most of the people that gravitate towards a program like that are the people that need it the least. It's the type A, like, no days off. I'm just going to push. I'm, I'm, you know, badass, bro. Like, let's beast mode this shit together. Those are typically, again, I'm making generalizations here, but those are typically the people that jump into a program like that. And those are the people that need it the least. Those are the people that need more recovery, that need to be less rigid, that need to ditch the perfectionist mindset. And then they jump into a program that almost normalizes their disordered behaviors. Okay. It's like, I always have to kind of shake my head when I see people with a disordered relationship with food jump into something like bodybuilding, because it's almost like normalizing a disordered behavior because, oh, I'm competing. So it's okay that I have a horrible relationship with food in my body. No, it's not okay. You're, you just gravitated towards the thing that would make it socially acceptable. That doesn't make it right. So with 75 Heart, I have seen this time and time again where it's almost normalizing that behavior. It, it's not normal to try to be perfect and to quote unquote fail if you don't work out twice a day. It's not normal to say that you have no room for error on your nutrition plan. And by the way, I also learned that just following macros isn't acceptable because if you follow macros and you work a cookie into your macros, that's not okay because 75 hard tells you that a cookie is cheating on your diet. And by the way, that's a terrible way to uh, build a relationship, a healthy relationship with food. So for a lot of reasons, I think that it's, it's not a good idea. I think that there are pieces of committing to something like that where, like I said, you can prove to yourself that you're capable of more, but I don't think it has to be that extreme. I would love to see more people ditching the perfectionist mindset, focusing on stress management and recovery and actually appreciating days off and actually appreciating being able to enjoy a cookie in moderation versus trying to be super extreme. So that's my thoughts. <laughs> Those are my thoughts on 75 hard. Um, another question that came from Instagram, and then I'm going to shift over to the Facebook questions. Um, I'm going to try and get through at least four or five questions, but uh, we'll see how the timing works out. How do you find the right calories and or macros? Um, so this is kind of a loaded question because what does the quote unquote right calories and macros mean? Um, do you mean for fat loss? Do you mean for maintenance? Do you mean for muscle building? Do you mean for health? What's the objective here? And then also we have to know a lot of additional information. So this one's pretty difficult to answer. What I will say is that the best way to do it is to actually do it rather than sitting here and saying like, all right, there's this perfect formula that I have to follow and I have to type in all of this information and come up with 
this ideal kind of scenario, the best thing to do is just to actually track to jump in and see how you feel and make adjustments based off of that. You know, and and let's just say that your goal is maintenance, whatever you're trying to find maintenance. So come up with a starting point, which you can use a calculator for a starting point. That's totally fine. And then start to make some adjustments based off of how things are progressing. Um, if you, you know, personal preferences, your activity. So um, there's really no easy way to answer that question other than everybody's different. And we need to just jump in and get our hands dirty and find out what makes you feel your best and what helps you progress towards your goals in the most sustainable way possible. So we want to look at things like your activity level, your personality, um, you know, biofeedback, personal preferences, your lifestyle, things like that. Um, so I know that sometimes it's annoying to get an answer like it depends and everybody's different, but guess what? It depends. Everybody's different. The best way to figure all of that out is to actually jump in and to do it and to make adjustments. Now, ironically, I think that we get too caught up in just the macros and we ignore the health side of things. You know, you've got the calories in versus calories out people that love to make it just a formula, just an equation. And they ignore things like, you know, blood sugar regulation and gut health and hormone health and how certain foods make you feel in terms of energy level and performance and recovery and sleep and all these things. It's like, maybe if we actually focused on health first, then we would look the way that we want as a side effect of that. I know it's crazy. I know because it's just an equation, bro. Calories in versus calories out, just eating a deficit. You'll get to where you want to be. And while you do need a deficit to lose body fat, it's ignoring the fact that foods make you feel a certain way. It impacts our neurotransmitters. They impact our hormones. They impact gut health. They impact energy levels. They impact mood, sleep, stress, all of those things. So let's not just make it this myopic equation. Let's actually understand the impact that certain foods have on us and come up with a way that optimizes health and how we feel and the physical side, the how we look will kind of take care of itself. Anyway, let's step off the high horse real quick and jump into the next question from Facebook. Does going on a cut affect immune system? Yes, absolutely. Because it's a stress. Any stress impacts your immune system. And there's a practical reason for that because as we evolved, right? If we're faced with a stressor, that was life-threatening. Anytime that we faced the stress, it was like, all right, we need all hands on deck to get over this stress, to, to whatever it is, to run from this tiger, to fight off this tiger, to do whatever is necessary to survive. And your body doesn't differentiate between sources of stress. So if you are stressed because you are eating in a deficit, you're, there's not enough energy coming in. Your body is like, oh shit, stress, alert, alert. We need to survive here. And it's going to preserve energy. So if you think about an acute stress, like you're face to face with a tiger in the wild, or you're sitting in traffic, they're acute stressors. That's not going to last a long time. You're either going to fight the tiger or get killed by the tiger or run from the tiger, but it's not going to last a while. You're sitting in traffic. That's an acute stress. It may last you know, a couple hours, but no more than that. It's, it's a short-term stressor. So 
your body registering that there's this acute stress present, it wants to put all resources towards handling that stress to, to help you get, get over it to survive. So it will increase cortisol, increase adrenaline so that we have better focus, better concentration, better blood flow, more muscle contractions, more perceived confidence, strength, all the things that would be really helpful to overcome that immediate threat. And part of that is that we don't want resources going where they're not necessary in that moment. In that moment, it's not important to have a well-functioning immune system. So those resources are allocated towards handling that stress. In that moment, it's not important to have resources going to procreation or um, you know, the digestive system, things that take up a lot of energy. But in this moment, the only thing that is a priority is survival. So it's like, let's get over this stress and then we can all systems can go back to normal, which is how your body operates. Ideally, we have that increase in cortisol. We have the increase in adrenaline and then all systems go back to, to normal. Cortisol comes back down, adrenaline comes back down and you are back into that parasympathetic state. Now, when you are on a deficit and a calorie deficit, that might end up being a chronic stress. So in the short term, it may be registered as an acute stress, but then the more that that happens, the more that your body goes into preservation mode. And the simple fact is that because a chronic stress, as we evolved, was really only because of famine, lack of nutrients coming in, your body wants to preserve energy because the more energy you expend during a famine, the quicker you starve to death. So, once your body registers a chronic stress, doesn't have to be from food, but that's most commonly where it comes from. Any common stress, uh, a chronic stress, I should say, from relationships, from everyday life, work, whatever it may be, your body is going to treat that as famine. So it's going to preserve energy. Once again, the immune system being a very energy costly process gets downregulated. It gets um, suppressed. So now it's easier for you to get sick. And if you've ever been a chronic dieter, or if you've ever gone through periods of chronic stress, if you think back to those times, you probably remember that you were sick more often. And again, it's not that your body's doing anything wrong. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do to protect you. Um, so a follow-up question to that was, if cutting does impact your immune system, which we now know it does, what are ways to mitigate other stressors on the body during a cut? So if you are cutting, if you are in a calorie deficit, we want to look at what are the other sources of stress and how can we optimize recovery? So we don't want to overtrain, right? That's one lever we can pull. Uh, we want to make sure we're getting in enough recovery days. We want to make sure that we're sleeping as much as possible and as at the highest quality of sleep that we can. Uh, we want to make sure that we're going for walks, that we're doing some sort of self-care, you know, breathing and stretching and um, meditation, if that's your thing, journaling, whatever you can do to, to downregulate um, your nervous system. And then we can also do things with nutrition where we're not in an aggressive cut, or if we are, we have diet breaks, we have refeed days, we have things that we can do like maintenance weeks that we can implement to um, basically restore that homeostatic signal in your body. So we always have to look at the big picture and just see 
you know, what's going on um, in general with the body as a whole and not just look at it as like, oh, well, there's nutrition stress. So I, I can only change that. Well, there's a lot of other sources of stress that we can look at. And again, it's just understanding the big picture. But a lot of that, you know, we talk about um, in, in the metabolic priming phase that we always go through with our clients. It's, it's really just a stress balance. That's really all that it comes down to. It's like, we know where the different sources of stressors are coming from. We know how to best mitigate them. Nutrition is just one lever and it's an easy one, right? Eating enough and eating quality foods, like that's an easy lever to pull to help balance stress. So it's common that a lot of people only talk about it from a nutritional perspective, but there's a lot more to it in terms of recovery and sleep and self-care and that sort of thing. Um, so I got a lot of questions that are um, related to training, particularly with an injury. So I just want to address all of those at once. Um, that is not my area of expertise. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not here to give advice on how to recover from, we had somebody talk about a torn ACL, a bad back, ankle, all that stuff. Unfortunate, you know, I've, I've been through a lot of different injuries in my day. And I will tell you that my belief, and again, this is not my area of expertise. I'm not going to tell you how to, you know, do any sort of injury recovery. But my belief is that you know your body better than anybody else. And try to just focus on what you can do. Uh, there was a, a woman in the gym the other day who had like a full leg cast, like her whole leg from, um, from her hip, basically all the way down to her foot, full on cast. And she was sitting on a bench and she had two dumbbells in her hand and she was doing seated overhead press. That's an example of somebody who's doing what she can. She could very easily use that as an excuse to not go to the gym. It's like, well, I've got this leg that's in a full cast. I'm not going to go to the gym because, you know, here's my situation. And we would all probably understand, but she found a way to get something done. Um, so that would be my suggestion is, you know, your body, do what you can. If you have a lower body injury, can you do upper body? If you have an upper body injury, can you do lower body? Um, it's pretty straightforward in terms of my philosophy with that. It's do what you can focus on what you can control and, you know, sometimes there's situations where you legitimately can't, but, you know, most of the time I feel like there's a way to just get something done and at least help to maintain some of your muscle in other areas. The good news is, is that rebuilding muscle is much easier than building it in the first place. So if you do have, a, you know, an injury and you end up experiencing some um, atrophy and you muscle loss, it's totally fine. Eventually, you'll rebuild it. Um, I actually met with a friend uh, the other night who had two bad shoulder injuries and was dealing with a bad back. And he said that he was pretty surprised to learn that he went down a suit size because of muscle loss. And I told him, once you get back, it will, the muscle will come back so fast. You won't even, you know, it, it's way easier to rebuild it than it is to build it in the first place. So no need to stress out. Um, somebody asked, What's the best way to fire up your metabolism if you are constantly fatigued? So, um, again, this comes down to stress balance and nutrition. Um, those are really the two biggest things that we can look at if, if there's some fatigue going on. Now, we might have to dig a little bit deeper because fatigue can be very directly 
related to gut health. So there could be something going on in terms of gut health. Um, there could be something going on hormonally that's leading to fatigue. So it might not just be how much you're eating. It, you know, obviously, if you're under eating, that's an easy way to get fatigued quicker. But it might not be an issue of how much you're eating. It might be what you're eating, and it might be a specific situation to you where you might have certain foods that don't sit well with you that are causing inflammation or gut health issues or hormonal dysfunction. So it's really, again, this is another it depends question. But first things first, I would take the low hanging fruit in terms of stress, you know, sleep, stress, um, how much you're eating, the quality of the foods that you're eating, hydration. Let's get those out of the way first before we go into the uh, minutiae and like finer details of specific gut healing protocols, things like that. Um, honestly, that is where like these questions highlight why having a coach is so valuable. Like we always try to get like the general answer and the general answer is so difficult because it's nuanced. We're all different. So I wish that I could give blanket statements across the board, but it's when we actually get to work with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, we get to sort through that stuff and figure out exactly what's going on and then provide the solution so that you don't feel that way. And that's, you know, again, it just illuminates how, how invaluable it is to have a coach, to have that resource, to have that accountability. Um, so just something to consider because it's not just a matter of, oh, here's the, the fatigue solution, like the fatigue elimination solution. Yes, there are some low hanging fruit that we can look at like nutrition, like stress, like sleep. All of those things matter, but it may be something that is very particular to you that we have to dig a little bit deeper. Um, and I'm going to do one more question here and then we're going to wrap it up. Last question is how long true recomposition is possible, building muscle while burning excess body fat. So if you're talking about simultaneously, not very long, um, there's like the newbie gains period where you, you want to, you know, if you're brand new to lifting, brand new to lifting, and you've like never been on a diet before, take advantage of that period. I wasted that period and I regret it because, um, yeah, anyway, that was like, I was just significantly under eating and my newbie gains were barely exist. They, they barely happen. But when you first start strength training and lifting weights or first start, like if you've been not paying attention to your nutrition for a while, like you're in that prime position to get those, uh, that recomp where you actually can build muscle and lose body fat at the same time. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, you can be advanced and still build muscle and lose body fat at the same time. However, it is a painfully slow process and it requires a lot of attention to detail. Almost almost like so strict that it's not worth it in my opinion. Some people might want to be that diligent and really just hone it in and focused on all like the minutia and the smaller details. That's fine. Um it's really slow. And if you're somebody that likes to see tangible progress and like see the scale moving or see like significant changes in body composition, it will frustrate you how slow that process happens. So you can do it. It's just, is it worth it when we have an alternative, which is let's just do it in phases. Like it's so much more effective in my opinion to say, I'm going to take this period of time to work on the body fat side of things 
And then I'm going to take a period of time to work on the muscle building side of things. It's just easier to have that one focus where you're like, I know what the main objective is and I can do things that support that, that objective because when I'm trying to build muscle, my training is going to look a lot different than when I'm trying to lose body fat. And it's like, I like to have that laser focus on the goal is the goal. And I know what it is. And I know how, you know, what I need to do to make it happen as efficiently and as sustainably as possible. So like, let's get that done. And then we can focus on shifting gears and building muscles. So that's my preference is we can do it simultaneously, especially during the newbie gains period. But after that, it's really slow. It's really difficult to stay like almost exactly at maintenance calories with really high protein, with really um, well-programmed uh, progressive overload, with adequate recovery, with meal timing dialed in, you know, with food quality dialed in, like all of these things, stress management, proper sleep, you know, all of that has to be really on point if you're advanced and you're trying to recomp and, and do it at the same time. Um, it's difficult. So we have an easier solution. My preference would be let's take it in phases. Let's do a period of time where we're getting rid of body fat. And then let's take a period of time where we're focused on building muscle. Um, so that's going to be it for the Q and a, uh, I'd love to know what you guys think since we're going to be rolling this out, unless you say this was horrible and a terrible idea, but I'm going to be rolling this out in September as part of the regular rotation. So every single week I'll post a questions box on Instagram and on Facebook, and you guys can jump in with your questions. So let me know shoot me a message um, if this was helpful at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And I will talk to you guys very soon.